Welcome to the Reframing Ed Podcast, the show for teachers dedicated to living and teaching in abundance. I'm your host, LaQuasha Jeffries, and my mission is to inform, inspire, and empower you to create calm classrooms and lead joy-filled lives. As a special educator and joy-filled teacher, I teach you how to show up in a way that supports your students and honors your true life purpose. So if you're ready to live and teach in abundance, you are definitely in the right place. Let's get started. Hey, y'all. Welcome back to the Reframing Ed podcast. It is good to have you back with me. Uh, I hope your school year is going well. We're about uh, a month and some change into the school year now, so uh, it's real getting ready, you know, getting into that schedule, our kids getting used to waking up, um, fall sports are in full swing. And it seems like the remainder of the season, of season one of um, the Reframing It podcast is going to be had in my van. Why? Because my middle son um, is playing tackle football this year and he is loving it and I'm loving who he's becoming. I was really reticent to let him do contact sports and one of the things I worked on is not you know letting any of my fears um impact my children they are going to because you know I'm a person I'm a human and whatever but things that they want to try and explore to just really step back and let them do that so he's doing football which means I am in our family van um many weeknights many weeknights so let's get started right away our gratitude for the week So I am grateful for, I'm grateful for my boys still, um, at least some of them, because I have older ones too, but I'm grateful for my younger boys being willing to talk to me. My husband is overseas and right now granny is um, back home in the Midwest. And so it's it's just us. And so um, at different points, just during this uh, school year, the few weeks we've been in school, two of my sons have come to me and just said, hey, can we talk? And just sat, you know, there and just talked and talked. And, um, oh, man, I'm thankful, one, that they were, they came to me to talk. And, two, that I was in a place to listen. Because as, if you're a parent, um, or even if you're not, if your experiences are with children in your classroom or your nieces and nephews or things like that, you'll realize sometimes we're just not there mentally, right? Kids will be wanting to connect, but we don't, we just don't have it to give or we are not fully present. But I'm thankful for uh, those boys coming to talk to mom and mom being um, mentally, physically, and emotionally um, available for them. It's, that's beautiful. I hope, I hope we retain that. And even with the older boys, I hope at some point, you know, they can come back and, and talk to me or maybe, you know, my husband. I I think it's so important whether it's um, males or females that they are able to connect with the people in their lives. Mentors, whether it's like my aunts who, I love my aunts, aunts, great aunts. Um, Whether it's the people in your family or the people in your work or um, in your personal life, it's important to be able to connect with someone who's older than you or wiser than you. And, um, Play it out and get some clarity and maybe they'll have some gems to give you or maybe you just need to get it off your heart and your chest. So um, maybe this is a reminder via my voice to check in with your people. Check in with your people. So I'm grateful for them checking in with me. 
on Miss Jeffrey's desk. Still a lot of books. Um, I'm in two classes and um, there are, there's a lot of reading and articles and all that good stuff. But personally, I'm reading The Miracle Morning. Now, what I, I, don't, I don't even want to say anything else about this book, honestly. Um, I'm going to give a shout out to Laura, who's in my Hot Lotus 7 group from the Brief for Change um, teacher training that I did in uh, summer 18. And she shared it with me because we both, one, we both do um, personal coaching. We both teach. We're both very interested in social emotional. And we both listen to podcasts um, and read ferociously. So she shared it with me. And I'm like, oh, my God, girl, this is so good. Thank you for sharing. That's all I'm going to say about it. If you, that's all I'm going to say about it. Check out Miracle Morning. I will put it in the show notes. It will change, um, it will change your life. If you, if you need some shifts, you, you need to check this out. I'm going to put it in the show notes and then you check it out and email me or tweet me or send me a message or um, in the Facebook group, in the Teaching and Taking Care Facebook group. Uh, tell me what you think. I'm very, very curious to know what you're thinking, if it's going to be a whole OMG and heart emojis. So I want to go over events really quick because we are really moving and shaking here. Um, I mentioned before that one of my intentions for this year is to pipe up, to share my voice and my perspective and the information that I um, feel is important, what's on my heart for our learners and for our kids, and begin to propose. And so... Right now, we have coming up October 6th, I'll be presenting at the Rutgers, um, their inaugural Urban Teachers Education Program Conference called Wake Up Critical Pedagogy for Critical Times. And that's on a Saturday in Newark, New Jersey on campus. Um, The 25th of October and then two other dates um, later, December 10th and then February 15th, I'm presenting within my school district at um, the professional development that's held for physical education um, and health employees um, district-wide. And it's a three-part workshop series. So if you're in PWCS, hey, holla, let me know. Um, I can't wait to speak with you. I can't wait to have the workshop and get your feedback and see um, where you are and provide some important information on just on being a trauma-informed teacher on social-emotional learning. And of course, Incorporating mindfulness, not only in the classroom, but in our personal lives as educators. Uh, And then the third um, announcement was that my proposal, one of my proposals um, was rejected for the AIE, the huge Advancing in Education Conference in San Antonio, right? I was like, oh, well, you know, a lot of like education rock stars go there. I really shot my shot and, you know, sometimes it doesn't work out, but it's really dope. One day I'm going to do that. So then I get an email after the rejection letter saying, you know, we really love your topic. Would you be available to present in these different types of formats? Can you tweak it, tweak your proposal and present to us again? You know, I did that thing so fast, lightning fingers, and we we, um, submitted my proposal and it was accepted. And so I will be in San Antonio November 4th at the Advancing in Education conference on the Riverwalk there. And one of the um, pretty renowned, um, he was a teacher of the year, a principal of the year, I'm sorry, in my district. And um, he's just making waves in the education um, sphere. Hamish Brewer, my one of my son's former principals, 
he is one of the keynotes. And I'm not sure which day. I'm not sure if it's the 14th, which is the day I'll be presenting, or if it's the 13th, which is the first day of the conference, because it's a two-day conference. So super excited about that. If you are in Texas or San Antonio, or you are flying into that conference, um, hit me up. I would love to connect in, and see you. Maybe we can, um, the educators who are going to that, we can get together and talk and probably not brunch, right? But we can definitely um, talk and chat and see, get the vibe of what's going on in Texas and around the country. Because I know that's a huge conference. A lot of people come in um, and from the different states there. So I look forward to that. So today we are going to, um, we're going to talk about anxiety in the classroom, student anxiety and teacher anxiety, because it's a big, big thing. And I, I want to make sure that we um, understand what anxiety is and what it might look like in our students and then also in ourselves. So anxiety um, is really a fear, right? It's, it's really a fear or a dread or a terror. There's generally physiological reactions to anxiety, like sweating or heart palpitations or inability to focus or feeling jittery, unsettled, nausea. It depends on the person. This might look like in your students, tears, crying, um, anger, depending on if that student, like what their relationship is to anxiety, um, if they view it as a weakness. As, you know, many people um, do. It's hard when you are not in control of your body and it's having a reaction to things. Some students get test anxiety. Um, some students get anxiety with certain peers like um, or energies. Students who have been traumatized by um, events or things in their lives can get traumatized by people who remind them. Maybe it's the scent that they have or the clothes that they wear or the way that they walk or the way they, they talk reminds them of a traumatic event or uh, some space where they did not feel safe. And so it can come up in a lot of ways and it may manifest as disrespect or non-compliance or non-responsiveness, but it all can be stemming back from fear. Okay. And so being trauma informed um, or using and or using because um, it's kind of one in the same social emotional learning practices really goes by changing from looking at it as if it is about you. As if the things are directed at you or there's animus towards you, the teacher, and recognizing that most things, most reactions that students have in the classroom are not directly correlated to you or your personality. Some of it is just their life, their lived experiences and how they're coping and interacting with the curriculum, their friends, their peers, their day, their life, their health, um, their home life. And when we make things personal or reactions personal, we can make it so there's, it's not a space for children to heal or for children to recover or for them to move on. We can take something and hold on to it and it becomes this long drawn out battle between us and the students and the eels get involved when really the resistance we got from the student was fear. It was fear. One way that we can combat anxiety are being strong, steady, and fair people in our students' lives. Being strong by itself is not enough. Being sturdy or steady by itself is not enough. Being fair by itself is not enough. This is really a triad um, approach because standing on one leg, um, it's likely to fall over. 
it's likely to fall over. You can be a strong teacher. There's lots of strong teachers and students hate them and they resist them and they still have anxiety in them because you're just projecting like a very masculine um, energy um, and there's no femininity, there's no softness to counterbalance that. And a student who's dealing with anxiety, although they can, maybe they need some strength, they need some of that masculine energy, but that by itself is not enough to quell anxiety. You telling someone to suck it up or get over it, or a student who is having a hard time to get it together, to get with the program, you probably know from your own personal results, it's not enough to stop the behavior that's undesired. It just simply is not enough. Being a steady or sturdy teacher, someone who shows up, they're organized, there's delineated spaces, clear rules and expectations, um, students know what to expect, there's not a lot of surprises. Now that's great for students with anxiety. That's great with students with learning disabilities, great for students um, with exceptional needs, students with language concerns because they know what to expect and they can anticipate it and they can perform at a higher level than a, a teacher who is in constant chaos in their classroom and then the way that they instruct. But if you are just um, a type A or perfectionist or super organized or have a Pinterest worthy classroom or you're very structured, but then you're not strong in making sure that students know the expectations and know that you won't fail or fall or be um, weak willed with them, it's still not enough to quell students' anxiety when it's the type that's ongoing, like when it's a chronic toxic anxiety that they have based on experiences in their life or traumas that they've had. The final leg in this, right, in this uh, stool, in this triad, is the fairness piece. Is the fairness piece so that if, like, say if something happens or um, goes wrong that students know that you're going to think and you're going to interrogate and you're going to make a decision based off some logic reason in your heart as well and that if you for some reason come to an unjust or unfair conclusion you will come back and make it right that you're willing to repent that you're willing to say i'm sorry i goofed i dropped the ball on that will you forgive me I remember the first time I noticed a student's reaction, like they may have had reactions before, but I remember um, in a, when I was in my district's rebound program, which was the elementary alternative program, and I made a reaction. I was frustrated with behavior and the student got the consequence and they took the consequence, right? And then I don't know if it was another conversation or I had more time to think and I thought of the events and revisited it, but I realized that I was wrong. And so I went back to the kid because I tell my kids, um, sorry as well, because I with them too. I say, hey, I was like, I was wrong. Miss Jeffries was wrong and you took the consequence. I am so sorry. I'm so sorry. Like, how can I make this up to you? I'm, I, I apologize because here I am trying to help you make better choices in school. And I made a mistake and, you know, and they're, yeah, they're like, their face was like, what? You said, sorry, you know, and. That's kind of sad to me that a child will be so shocked at a teacher or authority figure um, coming and saying sorry or saying, can, can we fix this? Let's talk about our relationship. Let's talk about how we can go. If we're teaching self-regulation and like integrity and honesty and being responsible learners, how is it that we don't have opportunities to say sorry? That we don't have opportunities to ask for forgiveness? I, I don't see how that is an any way possible with all the interactions that occur between teachers and students on a daily basis, especially because the power dynamics are so skewed in that teacher's favor.
there's no way that you don't err with your power. So, being strong, being steady or sturdy, and being fair are great ways to help your students who have anxiety. Now let's turn the, the lens around and look at us. So many um, teachers, and obviously this is like just my anecdotal notes just from living in different states and working um, with teachers and also like having kids and seeing their teachers and talking with them. There's so much anxiety um, because there's so many women who just want to do what's right. They want to do the best. They want to have a great classroom. They want to do great for their spouses, for their children, for their students. Like they want to do well and they get frustrated and anxious and out of sorts when they don't, when all the balls aren't in the air, when their classroom has an off day. And there's just so much stress and fear and depression and anxiety. And it's not to say that everyone is walking around like a basket case. That's not the case. But just if you just take a minute and observe in your building, at least once a day, you're going to encounter, encounter a teacher who is dealing with anxiety, even if it's not the chronic sort, even if it's not the teacher, you know, that's always worried or always frowning or always upset. You're going to counter, encounter a teacher who's dealing with some form of fear or anxiety based off a of student interaction or um, uh, parent interaction or expectations from the administrative team or just maybe just the workload the caseload because it never stops it never ends and if you are at all you know committed to your job you're going to experience some type of stress about it because there just there simply are not enough hours in the day to make the impact that dedicated committed teachers want to make so there's that but when we talk about dealing with your anxiety we need to look at um whether it's going to therapy, whether it's having teacher accountability partners, whether it is um, making sure you're getting the proper rest and nutrition, that you're taking a walk or that you're doing yoga or that you're running, that you're doing something that you love, that you're checking in with yourself. If you want to deal with your anxiety, you want to address your anxiety, you have to take care of yourself. It's hard to be the sturdy and steady teacher when you're operating in a fear-based mentality or um, self-expression. Teacher anxiety is just as important as student anxiety, if not more, because we're directing the energy. We're directing the flow of that classroom. And when you are in a space of fear or anxiety and you're making decisions that impact the lives of children, we just have to be very careful and very mindful that we're taking care, that we're checking in with ourselves. It's okay to take a teacher um, leave it's okay to take a sick day it's okay to take it's okay to take a professional day to get a sub there's teachers who will come to to work sick as a dog how is that modeling for our students or our children or even our spouses that we're worthy of care and respect if our students are worthy of care and respect are not ourselves aren't we so this was a bit of a um short episode but i just wanted to check in uh we can do so much for ourselves and for our students just to make sure that we're okay. And so please check in with yourself. May you be well. And thank you for listening to this episode of the Reframing Ed podcast. The answer is yes, you are. Yes, you are worthy of care and respect. Yes, you are worthy of mindful practices. Yes, you are worthy of wellness. Yes, you are worthy of loving kindness, whether it's in your 
building in your personal relationships, um, within your learning communities, um, within your places of worship. The fact that you're worthy of care and attention, that you're worthy of the same type of effort and love that you put into your students, that's undeniable. It does not change. It doesn't change. So one of the things I wanted to share to help support you um, as you encounter students who have anxiety in the classroom or as you even deal with your own, you know, at different levels. And this is not at all meant to trivialize anxiety because there's a whole range. Um, There's the everyday worries and stresses. There's those chronic ones. There's those toxic ones um, when we start to feel them affect our bodies and cause major illnesses. And then there's debilitating ones that um, stop action or uh, stop the normal processes of our lives. And they require different levels of care. So definitely check in with your primary care doctor, with your um, mental health provider, with your support system, depending on what type of care that you need. Be honest with yourself about the type of care that you need so that you can show up as a whole person for your students. But um, if it's one of those just daily stresses or you're coming out of toxic stress and you feel like you do still have control over that there's practices that you can take to alleviate your stress um, and or anxiety, I wanted to um, talk about breathing, about taking those deep breaths. and. We've all done it before where a student maybe has said something or we got a call from a parent and before we could go on to the next thing, we had to sit there and deeply inhale and exhale. And that is a great tool to use purposefully in the classroom to train your students, um, whether it's using a mindfulness bell or a chime or a timer or, you know, a vocal command or have a um, a breath minder, a student who is a responsibility every so often to remind you to take a breath. I remember during our um, 200 hour training, there was a bell um, in the school and it was kind of an annoying buzzer. And at, in the beginning, we were kind of just kind of rolled our eyes like, oh, there it was buzzer again. At some point, one of the instructors, um, Justin said, you know, every time that bell goes, we're going to take a deep breath. And so the bell became a reminder, pause. And I started to breathe in with gratitude because I just was so in awe of the people around me and that I was in this wonderful program that the universe had really provided a space for me to grow in the way that I wanted to grow, to branch out in the way that I wanted to branch. And there's a saying that when the student is ready, the teacher will appear. And I felt that was my experience with my yoga training program. And just all the things that I've been able to glean about social emotional learning practices. Well, you can use different instances in your day as reminders to breathe. This can happen with your students. It can happen at home. But inside the classroom, um, it's great to take a breath. So say today I had a kindergarten who had a bit of a meltdown. Um, I came upon him. I was leaving from, I think I was coming out of an IEP meeting. And uh, he was in full meltdown mode. And so I just walked over, I held out my hand, I said, come on, come on, sweetie, I'm going to take a walk. So we took a walk because I had to drop off some papers, we got some drink of water, we came back to my office, and um, I have a meditation pillow, I have some regular just throw pillows on a stool, and I said, Where, how would you like to sit and relax yourself? How would you like to see I've been crying? 
um, and snotting and everything. And I said, how would you like to relax? And so he ended up like, kind of laying out on the pillow and just staring up in the air. And I know he's stressed and we're trying to figure out the best way to support him within the general education classroom and seeing what we can do. But he was able to take a minute and the timer went off and we breathed. And um, it not only calmed him, but it calmed me as well. Um, I hadn't been in a contentious meeting per se, but um, it was interesting. And so um, we both were able to take a moment. Our stresses and triggers and anxiety may be different and they may show up differently. But things like taking a moment to take three deep and four breaths where you're going all the way from your diaphragm and you're pulling it up. You fill in the air, fill your lungs, and then you're slowly releasing it back out with gratitude. With gratitude for the breath that you have, for the stress you're able to relieve, for the endorphins that are coming into your body, for the support that is right around the corner. You know, you can really take it anywhere you want to go. But those deep breaths, especially when you do it in a collective, you do it with your students, with the community, it's a powerful thing. It's a powerful stress reliever. And it can really help your students who may be in the throes of anxiety or the throes of a panic attack. I know some of you have never experienced high needs learners or students who have dealt with a lot of trauma. And, um, you know, that is your unique experience as an educator, um, but there are many countless others who work in schools and in environments where the children are severely traumatized, where other teachers are traumatized, where the um, level of stress is just high. And so we want to make sure, even as we support our learners with the higher needs, that we support our staff as well. A sick doctor is going to have a hard time healing the patients. Right. A sick physician can't operate at her highest level. She must first, she must heal herself. So that's something important for us to do as teachers. As we're wrapping up, I just want to remind you, um, I also do coaching for teachers. So reach out to me if you feel like you need some support and you want to see and understand what the program is and how I can support you in having your best year ever. How I can support you in rising to a new level in your life to experiencing joy and, and mindfulness in your practice as a teacher. I also created 50 mantras for a teacher's heart and I've heard some great feedback within the Facebook group. Um, so make sure you go and you check that out. You can also, um, as I mentioned before, join the Facebook group on facebook.com forward slash groups forward slash teaching T-E-A-C-H-I-N-G and A-N-D taking T-A-K-I-N-G care C-A-R-E Teaching and Taking Care is a great group. I mean, you can also just go on my page, MissJeffreesDesk.com, and click on Groups, and it's right there. Make sure while you're there, you like my page. Um, my website is um, always there for you to subscribe if you just want to keep up to date, know what's going on. Um, when I schedule the next brunch, it'll probably be on there first versus on here because there's a bit of a lag between the time I record these and the time, you know, events happen in a real day-to-day -day life. So I wish you well, teachers, I wish you well. I wish you a year full of happiness and wholeness and peace, that your year be filled with ease, that you're able to learn the things you need to learn to navigate and to rise to the highest level, to serve the precious children that are in our lives at this time, at this moment. 
to care for the children who are experiencing trauma in their lives, to support their families, to come to work with loving kindness in our heart so that all of that may be returned to us in great abundance. Until next time, you take care. Make sure to teach and take care. Um, Love you guys. Bye. Thank you for listening to the Reframing Ed podcast. Here are two things you can do now to help the show. Leave us a rating and review on iTunes. Not only does it give me valuable feedback, but it also allows other teachers to find the show. Number two, join the Becoming a Joyful Teacher tribe on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash groups forward slash Becoming a Joyful Teacher. Until next time, remember in the words of Dr. Maya Angelou, when you get, give, and when you learn, teach.